podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Sissoko finally waited. Erickson, low, great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Mora. And belted into the net, brilliant goal. On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Mora clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London. That is absolutely incredible on debut. Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! First hand here to Son. Kane, good area for Spurs. And Kane's not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line, and Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run. Yermin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Evening, folks. Welcome to the first ever sort of live stream episode of Touchline Hotspur. Um, before we get into it, uh, this episode, just make sure you're following us on all the socials, Touchline Fracker on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, etc., etc. Make sure you're following our handle, Spurs underscore Touchline, on Twitter and on Instagram as well. Um, I got a, a colourful, a colourful um, uh, real guest with us today as well, and we got some usual familiar faces as well. Um, Owen, what are you saying? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. Just came back from trying to get uh, Project Van der Vaart off the floor. It's a slow progress. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, cool. So what, is he going to play for Spurs, yeah? Play for whoever he wants. <laughs> Ideally for Spurs. We'll see how we are at the time. Uh, cool. Ohio, what, what are you saying? Yeah, I see you in your colourful gold do-rag, man. Yeah, you came here to shine today, right? Trying to give myself some powers after last night, man. It's, it's techie. Bro, being a Tottenham fan in Liverpool right now is the biggest oxymoron I've ever lived. It's oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I completely <laughs> forgot, innit? Because you're up there. Listen, I walk, I walk down the roads. No one even knows I'm a Spurs fan. I don't want to look more in the eye, bro. <laughs> and then, of course, we've got our two guests, fresh from 
trying to de-studge himself, boy. I saw you don't wearing your, your best white polo for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nah, you have to bring out the Christmas story. Yeah. <laughs> what are you not saying? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, we're good, you, man. Good. Good, 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 man. I know I can see you all. You're all smiling. You're grinning teeth. It can only mean one thing. But um, apologies. Before we get into the actual game yesterday, we wanted to sort of run through our agenda um, we wanted to sort of touch on um, the Palace the palace result that we had on the weekend. And the thing is, we felt that obviously you lot would be best to speak on Palace as well, you know, the Eze links, et cetera, et cetera. And you lot have actually got Crystal Palace coming up too. So it, it makes sense. So, Owen, why don't you sort of take us away? Because I know you mentioned um, discussing this game. So like, just Crystal Palace, 1-1 um, draw, Harry Kane goal, Guaita, masterclass, as you mm. Give us your thoughts. What was your what was your take on that game? That Guita was absolutely ridiculous. But firstly, it's it is a hard game for us, as we know. Like over the years, we we haven't scored more than one goal there in the last three four years, maybe even more. I hadn't looked that far back, but it's always been a struggle for us and and a small pitch. But to be honest, we've had one of the best first halves that I've seen us have, maybe even since West Ham or Newcastle. Like we. We were sustaining pressure really well and getting attack after attack off. Like even when teams usually counter us, we don't even tend to have any form of counter press whatsoever. We'll tend to kind of retreat back and inshallah. But we even had uh, a high defensive line. <laughs> the air was even stepping out the defensive line to help out. And we forced these ridiculous saves out of Guaita from Ndombele had this half volley in the area, which I had jumped up and celebrated thinking it had gone in. So did Harry I. Kane had a header from point blank range. Ridiculous save again. And then um, luckily through all the pressure, we actually managed to force an error out of this ridiculous guy. But then, yeah, I mean, even with that, we did concede a few half chances to Zaha. He still looked dangerous, but I was mm. really happy with that first half. But the second half was... A complete polar opposite. Like we, we decided to just invite an insane amount of pressure. And I was in and out of, um, I was in and out of the second half of this game because my son just he was full of beans. But every time I looked up, we conceded the free kick or, or a corner. And it was it was strange because even when we tried to get some counters off ourselves, like we, it, the game suited us. We were one nil up. We tried to counter, even with. I say it was limited pressure from Palace, but I didn't really see many players showing for the ball. There wasn't really many runs in behind. Like I didn't think that was uh, Jose instruction or any slut on him. I think it was more maybe the effort levels drop in in our players, and we didn't necessarily rate them as a threat from open play. But it seemed inevitable with the amount of set pieces that we were conceding. Their fans being back, they mm. have. Benteke in the box, even though he's kind of been abnormal over the years, he's still a threat from set pieces. Gary Cahill gets his uh, gets his critics defensively, but he's still ridiculous in the air as well. So mm. I wanted to before I I know um, that good and that good analysis to be honest. Um, Ohio, before I come to you, so uh, Dej, I wanted to come to you next because. Um, that comment just reminded me of Eze as well. So they spoke about 
the importance to the emerging importance of Eze to Crystal Palace before the the game was even before ball was even kicked because obviously they just come off the back of beating West Brom five one. But do you think that the way in which Roy Hodgson is using Eze now for Crystal Palace is is sort of like the most optimal way to use him because I know obviously he plays the 4-4-2 Zaha and Benteke up top and then Eze on the left-hand side and it seems like Eze's got this understanding with Wilfred Zaha now. Do you think that that's a partnership that they can build on or do you reckon Eze is best served sort of playing more centrally? Yeah, I think Eze's best position is definitely centrally. Um, when we spoke to him on our podcast, he said he prefers to be in that number 10 role but I think for the way Palace line up in that 4-4-2, it actually brings out a better layer in Wilfred Zaha because now, as a sort of that distraction, Wolf can get centrally and he's much more efficient. But I think obviously Roy Hodgson, he's a very, you know, defensive, pragmatic manager. Um, I've actually gone to Selhurst Park this season to watch them against Brighton and he can sort of hear the way he gives instructions to his team. He's always cautious that, watch the counter-attack, sit back. He's not really expansive. But I think this season for Ebbs is just about becoming a Premier League player, putting your feet under the table. And I think playing out on that left is, is the best way to, to introduce him into the Prem. Mm. Now, Ohio, do you think do you think we did enough to... Because I know obviously Owen was talking about the disappointing second half there. He says that it wasn't really... He doesn't think that um, it was probably a J Jose Mourinho instruction per se. But do you think that we did enough to counteract the sort of the growing threat that Palace carried when they when they moved that ball forward in the second half, especially on the left-hand side. Yeah, I think generally, like, you know, we said in our preview pod that the main, like, it was, it was a packed pod, but what we could say of Palace was, you know, the main threat was always going to be from um, from Zaha and Eze. And I said, you know, that was going to be one of uh, Aurier's bigger tests this season. Um, you know, Zaha was still a danger man, Eze was still a danger man. I think Aurier handed himself quite well, to be honest. He didn't have any any moments of madness. I didn't really see him get ripped up. So I was quite happy in that regard. Thank you, Jay Spurs. I picked the Durag especially for tonight. Um, but then also, so instruction-wise, I think looking on the face of it, you would assume that Jose said, yeah, sit back, protect it. But I don't know. It, it didn't really feel that that's what we were doing because normally when that's the instruction, we look comfortable doing it. Like if we do bring it out, that there is, like, we have, we we look more inclined to actually break. Like, I think Son was quite quite quiet in the second half. I'm not sure if that was more down to him or we seem to just have a genuine inability to hold on to the ball in the middle third. And then when you looked at Jose's comments after the game, he said, he essentially said, I actually didn't tell everyone to sit back my instructions um, in the, for the first half were the exact same for the second half. And I think I'm speaking a bit verbatim here, but what he essentially said was that, there were the people that were playing, they just didn't have the ability to keep the ball between that first and second third. Mm. So I think it was, obviously, you don't want to put blame anywhere per se, but I think it was probably a little bit more on the players not really just stringing a couple passes together to, to get it out, to be honest, rather than Jose. Okay. Yeah, no. Yeah, I have a way. It's just, it's just weird because... Considering the way we played in the first half, you would have thought the, the logical move was to try and press the issue again and get the get the uh, second goal and kill the game off. And um, Crystal Palace, to their credit, they really they really came back strong in the second half and put us. I know obviously they didn't create any chances, but it felt that that goal was coming. Like that, the the, the pressure was building and building and building. Um, 
Dot, I wanted to come to you on this as well. So Crystal Palace now, generally, I know obviously you lot are playing them next. Do you think that... Um, do you think that they... I'm trying to think of it now. Benteke, three goals in these last four games. Um, Wilfred Zaha, uh, on course to have his best ever Premier League season. He's now playing Eze on the left-hand side as well. Do you think that we're seeing a slight shift from Roy Hodgson to try and get some semblance of a uh, of a consistent attacking threat with Crystal Palace this season right now? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, Dej was talking about the game that he went to versus Brighton, I believe, and he was saying Crystal Palace were very defensive, but I went to the game versus Leeds and they played fantastic attacking football as they won man of the match. He was conducting the play. And I slightly disagree with what Dej said because Dej said Eze is a number 10, but I do believe for now his best position is from the left because he can cut in and get into that 10 area and create cutting into his right foot. So I think that's a good position for him. Um, as for Roy Hodgson, I'm not sure because we all know that Palace have the tools to be dangerous against the top six club. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if they took points versus Spurs or they took points versus Liverpool. But it's when they play teams like Brighton, Newcastle, that's where you see them sit back and try and counter. And it just doesn't make sense. One week, I think, yeah, Palace, wow, they're turning the corner. Next week, I'm thinking, Roy needs to go. And I think what they need to do is get that balance right because they do have the quality in attack now to put teams to bed. Mm. Now, um, fair enough, actually. And just... Going back on our game as well, so I wanted to, I wanted to touch on something which we saw. Uh, we'll we'll speak about the Liverpool game, but um, Crystal Palace they scored from a set piece. Um, we conceded from a set piece pretty late on. We conceded from a set piece against Everton when we lost that game. We conceded from a set piece against um, West Ham when we went on to, to to draw that game. From from the outside of looking in, do you lot put, do you lot think that this is an issue that we're struggling to contain right now, or do you think it's a bit it's a bit of misfortune on our side? To be honest, I'm impressed with Tottenham. I'm impressed with Tottenham, and I hate to say it because I don't like Jose Mourinho, but from what I've seen this season, fair play. But in my opinion, the last two games are the reason why Tottenham won't win the title. I think just that second half performance against Crystal Palace, it really disappointed me because as Owen said, in the first half, you were dominating, pressing the action. And I was thinking, wow, Tottenham looked like a serious team this season. And then second half, you go into your shell. Any team that wants to win a title, you go out there in the second half and you keep that intensity and you put Crystal Palace to bed. And I just think the way you approach that second half is not the mentality of a title-winning team, in my opinion. I think to win a league now, you need to attack the league, not defend it. But this is the philosophy that Jose Mourinho comes with. And Tottenham, for me, are definitely title contenders. When you look at Arteta, Lampard and Oli, these are three managers that are novice, novices at the top level. And obviously, you've got Klopp, Pep and Mourinho. So I think Tottenham won't win the league. But I think they're solid. But I think when you go through their team, there's deficiencies... Me, I'm still not a fan of Eric Dyer at the back. I think he's a limited centre-back. <laughs> but the way Mourinho plays the game, that obviously masks his deficiencies. But, you know, winning a title with Eric Dyer and, you know, an ageing Alderweireld, I can't see it. If Tottenham can maintain this and stay, you know, three, four points off the top, go into the transfer window. You know, they were linked with um, Skriniar. I know Steve Hitchin went to Italy to try and get that deal done. If they can maybe get him... 
I would probably have more faith. But as it stands, Tottenham are a title contender, but they won't win it. Mm. Fair enough. That, and and I, you, I, I just, I, I don't think you can consistently rely on Kane and Son to deliver. Even though I feel they will deliver throughout the season, there's going to be some games where they're not having a good game or they're not coming up with that decisive action. And then who's next? Who's next in mm. line to take that mantle? And I've been very disappointed with Bergwijn. Gareth Bell seems like he's come back to London to just have a holiday. But totally <laughs> honest, like, <laughs> Lucas Moura, I've never been convinced by him. I don't think he's that good of a player. So if Kane or Son get a bad injury, what happens next to Tottenham? And I think that's the massive question for me. Yeah, and I think I think that's a brilliant segue onto our, our um, onto the game that we actually played in yesterday. Because obviously you mentioned Bergwijn now, actually. Um, Bergwijn's been... Um, He's been one, to be honest, our fan base can be quite toxic at times. He's been getting all sorts of unnecessary abuse, people commenting on his Instagram page and stuff like that. You see when people yeah, take so. football to a, 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 stu yeah, yeah. a stupid level, they don't need to take it. But let's actually talk about his performance yesterday as well, because he's in the lineup yet again. I think that's what, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Owen or Ohio, but that's his sort of fifth consecutive start now in, in the league. Yeah. Fourth or fifth consecutive start now in the league. So he's getting game time now. Um, and oh, and I actually want to come to you on this as well. So we spoke about this in detail in our uh, in our chat. So with Stephen Bergwijn, what do you think it is that's that's sort of stopping him from, I don't know, like being that decisive factor in games for us? Because, like you lot pointed out, the general sort of work ethic is there, the willingness to work for the team is there, and even some of the sort of cute, neat sort of interplay between teammates. It's there. He's a, he's an intelligent player. So why is he suffering this sort of loss of form that's literally been stretching since the back of last season? First, I think he I think it's just a little cliche of just getting that confidence back to be able to clutch a game like he did for us um, against Man City, and he looked like he was coming back quite fresh in some of the project restart games, but it didn't quite happen for him. Maybe he was still recovering from this injury. I'm not too sure. Um, even like in the Europa League games, um, leading up to that international break where he got sent home for fitness issues or the injury issues, whatever that ended up being, I don't even think we found out the uh, the truth on that one. But he he lets the explosiveness that he had before in some of these games before the international break. He's come back. He's worked his way back in. I see his confidence building each game. Like I'm seeing him now take on players. He wasn't really doing that before. His explosiveness looks back. He's doing his due diligence in terms of what Jose's instructing him to do, which is essentially being a defensive winger. But even despite those um those constraints, he's still getting himself in these attacking positions. Like I felt like he was our best attacker yesterday, generally. He was our um biggest threat. Um against Liverpool and Chelsea, I thought. So I think he just needs to, a goal just to really elevate him and set him alight and he can then hit a nice pocket of form, I think. Fair enough. Ohio, what's your take? What's your take on the, the Bergwijn situation before we actually get into the match itself? Before, yeah, I'll, I'll try not to talk too much on the match. Just not, not too dissimilar to what Owen was saying. You know, I remember reading a while ago that even when he... Um, scored against United uh, against David De Gea's fantastic goalkeeping on the day. 
Um, I think he has. He was still carrying a knock because I think he he had like three four games before lockdown, and then I think two weeks before lockdown or something like that, he had, he had an injury. He was out for three months. So I'm of the belief he was actually still playing with an injury um, against United. Um, I, I don't really know what to say about his conditioning because uh, when it comes to getting sent home from the Netherlands, because the word fitness can mean anything or being match fit can mean anything. Um, I think he's done. Jose wouldn't play somebody. I think it surprised me at first when he started playing over Lucas because Lucas is Mr. Dog work. You know, we've said yeah. many times in the chat that we know you're clearly his biggest fan, Tobes. But yeah, <laughs> but he's a very he's a very archetypal, you know, work first, production second kind of player um, that Jose tends to like if he if he's got two killers up top. So I think Jose's obviously seen enough in him rather than him just being the best of a bad bunch. He's definitely seen there is something extra in in there. Um, and, but then when it comes to actual productivity, obviously we know it's we know it's not good enough at the moment. Like we, we're not gonna we're not gonna hide from that. But I think mm. he's He's been making those incremental gains um, progressively. You know, there were some games, I think, was it, was it Ludogratz away or, or last away? There was an early Europa game where he just wasn't with it. We were all losing our heads in the group chat. Like, what's happened to this guy? We don't understand. But, you know, like, we're going to go on the Liverpool game in a second. But I just thought he he's looked incrementally better. It will come. It gives me, you know, Son first season was probably better than Bergwijn is now, but Son didn't have the injury problem. It gives me Son first season vibes, whereas like it's not quite clicking yet. But I think I think it will come. Yeah, I think he's he's a, he's got the talent. He's got the talent, and I feel like he's got the mentality as well. We just need to see it now on the pitch. So, um, I'm actually going to come to you next on this. So, what must you? What were you thinking when you saw? Um, our starting lineup yesterday, and you saw Ben Davies and um, Serge Aurier starting on either side because seasons in the past, you I'm sure Liverpool fans will probably see those two fullbacks lining up for us. And you're, you're probably licking your lips, you're not licking your lips. So, what, what was your what was your take on their performances generally yesterday? I think Serge Aurier was fantastic. I think that's one of the best defensive performances I've seen versus Sadio Mane, and I think actually Ole Aina the previous week done very well against Mane as well. Um, I think Ben Davis had a good game. I think he got tired towards the end. So I knew what Mourinho was coming to do. This is, you know, set up shop and try to score a random goal. And obviously that's what happened. It was 1-0. And then next minute they're showing a replay and then Son is in behind one-on-one with Alisson. And I'm like, how has this happened? This has to be offside. But I think that is the tactic. Beat the press and get the ball through to the final third as quick as possible. And if you do that, you're going to get blood. But I think what Liverpool done is that they just suffocated the pitch. They didn't allow um, Tottenham to spring as many times as they would have wanted to. And to be honest, I think Kane and Son generally yesterday were a bit disappointing. I think they had poor games when it comes to retaining the ball and breaking um, at Liverpool. So to be honest, when it got to the 85th minute, I was like, you know what? Let's take the 1-1 and let's get out of it because I know what Mourinho is capable of. He's capable of scoring a last-minute winner and taking all three points. But for us to get the win, I think that's going to be a big confidence boost for this Liverpool team and I see them going on from strength to strength. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so too. I think so too. I think you lot are still the team to to beat, to be honest. Um, I, <clears throat> I know obviously a lot of people are saying that we're going to win the title and whatnot, but I feel like there needs to be a certain level of respect at the same time as well to actually understand the sizable task that we have ahead to actually topple, topple you lot, considering the players you're missing as well. But um, Dej, I actually wanted to come to you next as well. So 
Jose Mourinho made some comments. Uh, he made some comments saying the better team lost. Now we had because uh, we we um we have a discord a live discord chat uh, whenever we watch these games and we had a debate after the game about our oh, Tottenham being Spursy and who played better etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So what what was your take on Jose Mourinho's comments? Like, what's your take on how you lot played versus how we played? Like, uh, just let me know your thoughts. First 25 minutes, I think we bossed it. That was a relentless, typical Liverpool of old, swarming you, putting you under pressure. Then once we got the goal, I thought, you know, this is going to be two or three. Like, we were looking like our tails were up. I saw Eric Dyer, his head was down. <laughs> it was on his haunches. Then like, we were dominating, putting crosses in. He didn't have big chances, though. That's one thing I can say. You restricted us to, like, long-distance efforts, and you sort of contained us well. Then after your goal, we sort of seemed to lose our way and Tottenham grew into the game. I would disagree. I don't think that was a typical Jose Mourinho performance. In the second half, there was a stage where he said, you know what, I think we've got these lot for the taking. When he brought off Le Celso, brought on Lucas Moura, we started yeah. to see a much more, you know, attacking impetus from Tottenham. Then I was thinking, wow, this game's going to end for a draw. That was my prediction before the game. I think Tottenham should be happy with the performance because... I thought once you conceded that first goal, you're going to go down under. But I think Mourinho would have looked at the team and think, you know what, this is my personality. I put my stamp on this team. But, you know, conceding a last-minute winner, especially from the set-piece. And I think I was reading before the game, Tottenham haven't conceded a goal from a set-piece this season or something like that, I believe. Something like that. I'm not sure if it's true, but... No, maybe directly. Maybe directly. Mm -hmm. Maybe direct from a, from a corner or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so I think when you lose a game in that manner... It's always demoralising. And one thing I'll say about the game is it was more Tottenham's game than Liverpool's game. I think Tottenham played the way they wanted to play. They imposed their style of play onto Liverpool. But yeah, I think, you know, Tottenham shouldn't be too disheartened. As we were saying on, on the pod yesterday, that game won't define Tottenham's season. It's not a big blow to their title aspirations because I still think Liverpool drop points um, across the season and no team's probably going to win seven, eight games in a row. I don't think it's a big blow, but I don't think it sends the right message saying that Tottenham shouldn't be disappointed if they want to win a title. I think when, when you look at the Man Cities and the Liverpools over the past three years, they go away from home and they get results versus the big six. I don't think... That, that's my thing. point, though. Like This is not going to be a season where the winning team has 100 or 98 points. That's mm -hmm. not going to happen. So mm -hmm. I think the points tally is going to be lower. So I think in this special season... It's not going to have any effect, in my opinion. Yeah, and um, you made a good point Edge, on the performance per se, because a lot of people, a lot of um, opposition, a lot of Liverpool fans after the game were coming out saying, "Oh, that's what Jose gets for for parking the bus and whatnot." And mm, it wasn't. Um, and so someone's actually put a comment here about uh, the, the Jose star <laughs> only looks good if it was a bust. Let's but, be real. Let's be real. Just because you have clear-cut chances, it doesn't take away the fact that it was a bust. This is his approach against Real Madrid when he was playing versus Pep Guardiola. He yeah, may have I, big chances, but it's a bust. Because when you look at how the big chances came, the two at the start of the second half, they were literally just long random balls, flick-ons, and you were in. So I don't think that's any sort of attacking intent. That's just poor defensive shape from Liverpool. No, but I think... I think, I think first half, it was a bust, 25 yeah. minutes. Then I think his ambition grew as the I game agree. drew on. That, that's agree. my analysis of the game. And I think we only ever got Tottenham disorganised once. And that was from Reese williams tackle. 
when Salah was running through and going that channel and he had that right foot shot. So I think Tottenham definitely imposed their style on the game more than what Liverpool would have liked. Yeah, and um, I was actually going to come to you next on this, Ohio, as well, because I, you lot know me as well. I'm a big Jose Mourinho critic. I don't like his, I don't, I don't like his style at its worst, and I felt like last season it was only one way we could play. But to his credit this season, I actually think that he's been able to mix it up. Like There have been games where we've taken the game to the opposition. And, and of course, inevitably, there have been games where we sat back. Um, I actually agree with Dej, and I was going to come to you on this next, Ohio, because for me, that substitution he made with Lacelso for, for Mora, for instance, he could have brought on Ndombele, he could have brought on whoever, but he specifically brought on Lucas Mora for a reason for one reason only, to put Lucas Moore on the right-hand side and to be ready to actually attack when, when the counter is on, to attack. And I don't think we've seen that from... I don't. I personally don't think we've seen something like that from Mourinho um, outside of this season in, in a ground like Anfield. I feel like to do that in a ground like Anfield, to instruct the players to start pressing higher, to actually start committing more bodies forward, I think you've got to give him a little bit of credit for that. I don't know. What do you think, Ohio? I, I think it's hilarious that you of all people are asking me to give <laughs> credit. What's going on here? However, however, no, 100%. Um, I think one of the last interviews Jose did when he was um, on Sky Sports, he even said that, you know, when he's going to go back into management, he knows he has to do certain things differently. And that was, I'd always kind of held on to that comic. So I was like, I know he said this. Has he said this for lip service? Has he said this to get himself an interview? Or did he already know he was going to sign for Tottenham and he just wanted to sweeten up Daniel Levy in front of the cameras? So, you know, I've always sort of held out hope that Jose can adapt and not be this archaic dinosaur that everyone who dislikes Tottenham thinks he is. Um, yeah, like it's, it's promising that Jose is of the belief that we can do that. And in a, in a weird way, like, I liked how pissed off Jose was at the end with the fact he was there, like, no, like, we should have won this game. Old school Jose would have been like, yeah, one one's fine. Do you know what I'm saying? I think uh, credit credit has to be where credit is due. And Dej, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm, not, or I'm not sure if you were agreeing or disagreeing with his comment about the best team lost, but I, I don't know whether I can 100% say we were the best team, but I feel like we executed our game plan and means of trying to create bigger chances and minimise Liverpool's creation of yeah, bigger chances. Yeah. Our objective, do you know what I mean? No, I, I, I don't know what you're saying. I, I disagree. I would be praising Tottenham. Jose Mourinho, who's meant to be one of the best managers of our generation, we're praising him for losing the game. Whoa, 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 whoa. It doesn't make sense. I'm saying that you You guys are saying that our Liverpool didn't create big chances. Really and truly, we did. That ball that got rolled back to Salah on the edge of the box, a player of his ability puts that in eight out of ten times. When you look so, at the Optus stats, Liverpool created zero big chances. Tottenham created three big chances. So I think so, that says it all. As the higher mentioned, I think that was their intention. Okay, Liverpool are going to attack. To have chances against this team or for it to be a close game, Liverpool are going to have to like initiate an attack and that will leave the space. It wasn't going to be like a Tottenham-Chelsea game where before the game, Frank Lampard and Jose Mourinho shook hands and said, yeah, we're taking the point. Liverpool and the club are going to initiate the game, which obviously opens up opportunity. And that's where Tottenham could have exploited, but they didn't because of some poor and woeful finishes. Like, I want to be really, really clear. I don't, I'm not praising Jose for losing. Like, like I said to, said to the boys last night and before we started recording, I've generally not been this upset 
about a Spurs. I, don't, I think I'm more upset about tonight than I was about the Champions League final. I'm not going to lie to you, like, just because I kind of went to the league final, like, we're probably going to lose. It was the essence that, like, we should we should have won last night. And just to sort of bank home on my point about the best team losing, like, if I think it's one of them ones, you guys, there's been a lot of talk about our, like, you know, there was one point Liverpool had 209 touches of the ball in our final third and we had 19 and all this stuff. It's like, I don't really think that's that relevant because how many touches does Arsenal probably have? Arsenal probably had what seventy something percent of the ball, but no one's going to say they had a good game. Even 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 irrespective of us scoring two goals with killers up top, I think it's just a case of I think we executed our game plan probably more so after the after the Salah goal. To be honest, like they drew right, like we did. There was there's defending well, but we just couldn't get out afterwards. You know, before that twenty five, like I accept that bit from. But I think from that point onwards, I think we probably executed our game plan almost like as best as we could. I think Kane and Son didn't have their best nights, but I can't say I disagree entirely with Jose saying the better team lost. Very slow. <laughs> I, I <didn't> <laughs> Okay. No, that, that's fair enough. But can I just shine a spotlight on um, Jordan Henderson? Because I think he's a player that's taken a lot of stick. But for me, he's now a world-class midfielder because... Stop because... saying this, Dot. Stop <laughs> saying this. <laughs> Call him Stop saying this world-class thing. On, no, but no, Tom, consistently he performs to a high standard now. I mean, he was the I one agree. that... When Harry Kane was trying to break, he's the one that will win that 50-50 to get Liverpool retaining possession. I mean, Curtis Jones, what a talent. What's the talent? Unreal so. performance, only 19. He's going to get better with time. And I think from a Tottenham point of view, that was the perfect time to go and beat Liverpool. Curtis Jones is 19. Reese Williams, 19. No recognised centre-back. Fabinho's a makeshift centre-back. That, that was the perfect opportunity to go to Anfield and make that statement. And for me, Tottenham failed. I mean, we felt because we lost, so yeah. Yeah, we did fail, but I mm. feel like the, the performance is encouraging. I do hear what Ohio is saying. We may not have been, quote-unquote, black and white the better side, but I feel like we were able to 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 equip our, to, to exhibit our, our talents well at Anfield. And by the little law and chances, we should be disappointed that we didn't come out of that game with at least a point, in my opinion. Mm. But on the actual... Back on Liverpool and Spurs as a whole. So I'm I'm recusing myself from this because I've given my opinion on this whole Tottenham title challenging thing. I think it's too early, but I wanted to open the floor to you lot generally. So that's yourself, Ohio, Owen, as well as yourself, Dej and Dot. So Liverpool side, I know obviously everyone considers Liverpool as still a team that's very much favourites to win the title, but Liverpool side, would you say Tottenham are the, the next best side in the league and the most equipped side to actually push Liverpool for a title challenge this season? Oh. I would say so. I would say so by virtue of the opposition. When we look at Pepper Manchester City, I think this is a project that's you know it's reached that maturation stage, it's on its way down. When you look at Chelsea, Frank Lampard, do I believe or can I see him lifting up the premise? When I spit bars in a man, I go hard last Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job sites, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now... 
Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed's match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueIsle. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueIsle. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. When I spit bars in a ring, man, I go hard last and tan. At the end of the season, I can't see it. I'm not going to lie. Oli at Manchester United, it's Jekyll and Hyde. They can win away against a big gun, lose yeah. at home. You know, Arteta, I'm not even going to... They're not in the contest. <laughs> so, even what? So who does that leave? That leaves Tottenham. Right. This is a Tottenham team in their prime. And Jose Mourinho, Tottenham brought him in to win titles. And he's got that know-how. And he's got a squad that contains some world-class players. Hyung Min Son now, in my opinion, is a world-class player. Harry Kane, world-class player. Say it again. <laughs> Say it again, please. He's reached that tier one. Hyung Min Son's reached tier one now. Hey. So, I still think Tottenham are a bit short defensively. When Joe Roden came in against Chelsea, he's still a young player. He's still going to find his feet. But if Tottenham get two or three injuries, that's going to decimate the squad. And that's the problem. But I think, yeah, Tottenham out of the next bunch, they're probably... Most likely, I would say. Mm. Mm. I think Toby, you did say it well because towards the end, I was thinking, okay, we might not be the best or like best in terms of the, uh, the top teams in terms of quality throughout the squad. However, we are probably up there with the best equipped. So, yeah, it was good wording. And obviously, like um, there's touched upon, we do have those world class forwards. There is still a little bit of debate as to Sun's world class yet, but. We've got him performing at a world-class level at the moment, so I'll definitely take it. Um, with that, and it sounds like from some of the noises that um, have been going around on good old football Twitter, that Mourinho has been hounding Levy for some additions in January as well. Yeah. So if we can add to that and perhaps even get Skriniar or maybe even Sabitzer, there's no reason why we can't kick on to be even better equipped for a title challenge because we've got a small blood when Liverpool have been still very impressive, but when uh, they've been having some of the injuries they have and with other teams like City, Chelsea, Man United kind of in the middle or at the end of cycles, there's no reason why we can't smell blood and at least put in a very respectable challenge. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins division and championship futures all day every day head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses don't forget to use the promo code bluewire at betonline.ag that's bluewire all one word bet online your online sportsbook experts 
when I spit bars in a ring, man, I go hard like Santan. Yeah, nah, you make a fair point. Ohio? Not a lot more to add, really. I think we still have to remember there's 25 games left, and that's just in the league. Do you know what I mean? I think we have to be honest with ourselves on the fact that, you know, nothing less than a meaningful trophy will be deemed as a... Like, we'll have made, obviously, progression from where we were when Jose took over, but, you know, the... The, the, the proper glory on top has got to come. You know, we, we've all said in the group chat that, you know, a Carabao's... A, a lot of people think we sound entitled to this because we've not won anything since 2008 and everyone's very much entitled to their opinion. But I think, you know, a lot of us, this one's for Sai, of sound mind in the Tottenham fan base, you know, Carabao's not enough. And to, if I'm being perfectly honest, an FA Cup's not enough either. Um, yeah, Ohio, obviously, yeah. that's, that's more than what Pochettino won, though. So oh, yeah. it's not enough. Hey, 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 hey. We're, we're not doing that. this. Tonight. No, yeah, don't, we're not doing that. I'm asking, I'm asking. No, 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 no. Genuinely. I, see, I, see, I see what you did. I like what you did. You've learned no. it and you're holding it. No, no, you guys marveled over Pochettino. I'm not being disrespectful. I love the man. I respect him as one of the top managers in the world. But he won nothing. So how can you feel entitled enough to say a FA Cup is not enough or a Carabao Cup is not enough. Surely a FA Cup or a Carabao Cup and a top four finish is more than enough for Tottenham, no? I wouldn't say it's more than enough at all because like, and I, I don't want to talk about the ops down the road, but if, if we put it this way, a lot of them like to do this thing where they say, oh, would you swap our last five years for your five years or our last 10 years for your last 10 years? And I will always say no, because all I have to do is look at them and I see that, FA Cup, it's it's just not enough. Like on on the day or the week, you'll be ha- obviously we'll be obviously we'll be ecstatic that we've won something. Let me not pretend I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be happy. Like I'll be doing these lads on the concrete down in Liverpool City Centre, bro. If we win something, of course I will. But that that there needs to be. We need to go another level above that. I think we're we're good enough to win stuff beyond that. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you look at, and I'm not trying to disrespect the FA Cup. Like a lot of us grew up watching the FA Cup when it was like quite a big time. You know what I'm saying? We have a certain appreciation for it. Like I, I have to large up Liverpool as well. When you lot had that gold kit and Michael Owen was doing the madness, that like that's when the FA Cup was popping. See, that's the knows. But it's it's just a case of like, you know, and I don't expect everyone to agree. Every non every non Spurs fan to agree. Like you, you know, we got to start from the bottom. But we won, we won the car, we won the Worthington Cup back in the day. And, Okay, fantastic. No one cared only a year later. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I, I don't mind if people don't agree, but I just think the squad we have, the manager we are, like the killers we have up top, the managers, managers we are, the manager we have, the killers we have up top, the squad depth we now have, I think we're now good enough for an FA Cup to be, okay, we're happy with that, but we need something else, in my personal opinion. See, I would... I wanna... go on, Sorry, go Toby, I wanted to just pitch um, just a little question to... To dot. So while um, obviously Klopp's got this dynasty seemingly going on now, before he kicked on, obviously he got you guys out of your banter era, before you won the Champions League or the Premier League, would you have taken an FA Cup or a Carabao Cup to plateau you kind of back out of that era that you had at that time? I would have, but when Klopp came through the door, it was more like, I don't give a damn about these cup competitions. So I always knew that if we do win something, it's going to be a Premier League or a Champions League. There we go. But, but, but... There we go. The thing is, is that if Mourinho comes into Tottenham, his first full season and he wins the FA Cup or Carabao Cup, surely that's acceptable and a very, very good season for Tottenham. And at the end of the day, there's no 
given right for Tottenham to win the Champions League or Premier League. And I learned that last season because for Liverpool to win the Premier League in that spectacular record-breaking fashion, it's tough. One team wins at the end of the day. And Man City are brilliant. They've probably still got a better squad than Tottenham. Liverpool are brilliant. Mm. They've got a better squad than Tottenham. Jurgen Klopp, in my opinion, is a better manager than Jose Mourinho. Pep Guardiola is a better manager than Jose Mourinho. So there's no given right for Jose Mourinho to go to Tottenham and win the league because he's got two managers and two squads that are better than him. Can I just say, that's one thing that I've noticed, and this isn't isn't a disservice to you, though, but I've noticed when Spurs fans, when some Spurs fans say, we don't believe it's enough, we don't think we're entitled to anything because we haven't won the league since God knows how long. Do you know what I'm saying? We didn't even have AOL when, when we won the league last time. We're not entitled at all. That there's no like God-given right to the title. Even City fans can't be able to say that. United fans like to act that they have a God-given right to world-class mm. players nowadays. But separate conversation. We just, I, I don't know, like, I just feel like we, we, that's what we should be aiming towards. I think we should be, if, if we got an FA Cup, if we did an FA Cup and Carabao Cup double, would I be happy? Of course I'd be happy, but... I'll still want more. But I think that's part of the journey as well. And this is Jose's first full season. So if you can pick up a trophy, like why not? I don't think, I think targeting the Premier League this season, obviously with Liverpool's injuries, it might seem more realistic, but I think you should target one of those small trophies to get that winning mindset. Gareth Bell has been brought for the winning mindset. So then maybe next season, you acquire more players, then you aim high. You know, you can't have it all straight away. It's a mm. journey, you know, not a season, in my opinion. Well, I want it. I want it all. I want it all. Well, I think just, just, sorry, just I'm a final saying. point. Just a final point on that one. And I think that when you look at, obviously, Liverpool, the benchmark, and I'm not trying to just talk up Liverpool because they're the team I support, but yeah. Alisson was named the best goalkeeper in the world today. Trent Arnold was the best right-back in the world today. But the point I'm trying to make is that Liverpool have world-class players in every single position. So until Tottenham get something close to that, I don't think they're going to be able to win the league because this Liverpool team are just relentless. Yeah, the Liverpool team are a juggernaut and it's hard to stop. And um, whereas before I used to swat away any sort of talk of titles or thinking about the title, you know what? The season is a crazy season. Just because, mm. I, just because I don't believe it truly yet doesn't mean that I'm, I should stop any other Spurs fan from thinking it, it's it's impossible because I don't think it is impossible this season. It's just going to be very, very difficult to do. <laughs> it's that simple. Mm. Uh, I'm, just my two pens and a trophy piece. Um, before a ball was kicked, um, if you'd have asked a Spurs fan for a top three finish and a, a Carabao Cup or an FA Cup or even a Europa League, I would be saying yes. That was the season, that was my initial season objective. So, I can't be mad at a Carabao Cup or, or, or an FA Cup. But I do get the, the need to aspire for more. But, I mean, we've not won anything in years. So mm, Beggars can't be choosers, man. I'll take, I'll take whatever, man. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to... So, just before we touch on sort of our, our next game here, because obviously we want to preview the Leicester game. So, we want to obviously get you lot's thoughts on, on that game. It's another big match as well. But before we touch on that... Yam, I'm not sure if you lot saw it, but Yamba Tongan recently um, put some comments out here. So Ohio's quite rightly put this in the agenda and reading his comments, I'm not even gonna lie. Like, I'm not, I'm not a, like a softy, but I almost said, uh, I, I almost said, no, you are a softy, mate. Because <laughs> 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 like, obviously, he, he, um, I can't remember what game it was. It must have been. It was during our run. 
in the Champions League, wasn't it? I think I can't Man, remember yeah. which game, but um, he he got a concussion mm. and he said that the feeling was lingering in his system for nine months, for nine months, and he came out and actually said that in reality that same game he shouldn't have continued playing because I think he actually did continue playing that game as well. So I just wanted you lots sort of general thoughts on um, on just like how football reacts to sort of head injuries and concussions as a whole. Because I don't think, just from my perspective, I don't think it's, it take, it's being taken seriously enough, you know. I really don't. I think today they're confirmed that they're implementing two concussion subs. So if you do have concussion, you can come off the pitch and yeah. they can actually amend it and you can actually sub the player off and they can potentially come back on later. But I think it goes back to the game Arsenal versus Wolves and you're thinking like David Luiz is clearly not okay to continue. Why the heck is he coming back on the pitch? And I think if you do go into a clash like that and you go down in that manner for that long, you shouldn't be able to be allowed back onto the pitch. Just fact, safety over football. And I think too many times players will say, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Because they want to continue playing. They're honest pros, right? But you're not okay. So it needs to be taken out of their hand. And hopefully this is the first step to doing that. Yeah. I saw I saw um, Yang Vertonghen's comments and he said that obviously the pressure was on him to try and earn a new contract. Mm. So he just kept on playing. But um, as Dot mentioned, like the decisions need to be taken out of the players' hands. Like... You know, it's not Sunday league. Like, people should be, you know, be saved for another day. And you yeah. don't want to see people retire. I know you guys will know too well. Ryan Mason, he had to retire mm. due to a head injury. In rugby and other sports, it's taken much more serious. And it seems that football is way behind. And, you know, with the money and the investment in football, it shouldn't be. Like, we're yeah. seeing all the dementia stuff, people suffering later on down the line. This needs to be taken seriously. Yeah, yeah I want to hop off what Dej said. I think... Like, like coming from, I think maybe I'm, I feel a bit more strongly about it, you know, coming from a rugby background. Like I've had, you know, one or two concussions. I actually had, I actually had a brain contusion once, and I got, hit, I got hit in the chest. I got hit that hard. I actually had a whiplash from a tackle, and I, I didn't realize until three days later. So maybe I, I come from a slightly um, more anecdotal perspective. I think, considering how much, how how little money there is in rugby compared to football, it's like, like you said, there's genuinely really surprising. You know, rugby. I think what were you, what were you in 2015? So I think maybe five years ago, six years ago, rugby brought in this thing that even went down to uni level rugby is you weren't allowed to play unless you you completed this short little e module called um, Headcase, which was basically concussion awareness training. So you know, even we were only playing at uni level, we weren't like super rugby level of all the unis, but we weren't allowed to play until we fulfilled, and you had to get 100% on it. And it was a bit of a ball leg, like, yeah, it might take like two hours. And you know them you know them training modules at work where you've got to do the fire yeah, away? Yeah, yeah. yeah, like, it was kind of like that. But even after doing that, you could just sort of feel at training, if somebody went down and you could see their head, suddenly everyone was a bit like, whoa, hold on a second. Let's check on our boy here. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, And I appreciate, you know, Vatonga made a very good point. Like, there's these external factors that I can't take into consideration as an, as an amateur rugby player because, you know, he he's playing for... It's something that is going to affect the rest of his life. He wants that new contract, etc. But I think I, I've always felt that football, the higher ups in football, they're not player welfare isn't as high on the agenda as it should be. Like I, I understand it's difficult to fit with these games in, but you know, just alluding to a point Klopp made, you know, the five subs thing, I don't think that should have gone to a vote. That should have just been look. This is player welfare. You know what I'm saying? I, I just don't feel like they take it seriously enough. If we're talking about the rules that got put in today. 
Um, I think it's a start. So, you know, they've now changed it to, I think, I don't know how re relative it is to the conversation, but now you can have nine subs on the bench, which yeah. has its own benefit. At first, I was like, well, that, that doesn't, what's the point in that? But I suppose it, it gives your managers more options. So that's one thing. And then with the concussion subs, so the way they do it in rugby is if you come off, you have a HIA, Mariah, that one's for you. Mariah keeps saying I've got an SIA badge when I say that, but I know it's <laughs> head injury assessment. Um, and then I think I, I don't actually know what the protocol is, but if you if you fail, obviously the guy who's come on as a concussion substitute will stay on. You have the option to come back on. But I think they did some research and they said I think something it's either 17 or 27 or 37 percent of those HIA tests in rugby come back as double negatives. So they might pass the test or like they might know the test well enough to pass because they want to get back on, but they won't be able to go training three days later and they'll be out for like another two weeks. Do you know what I mean? Like even. You know, David Luiz as well, for as an example, um, I was first I was shocked he was stayed on because even even if you do, even if you don't look at David Luiz, his head has been in a collision where it's cracked someone else's head. If your head is going at that force, oh, you'll come off like just as fact. Like I, I appreciate you've got you know neurological assessments and that. Like I, I get that hundred percent, but it's mm. got to be player welfare first, man. Like it's, it's disappointing it's taking this long, but I like that they're at least I can't complain too much now with the concussion substitute and. One thing I feel like I'm rambling on here. I do apologize, but I know one thing they said. One thing I was a bit worried about was, mm, us, our manager is going to now tell players to take to like, I'll just say you hurt your head or go into contact so you can get a fourth sub on because you know rugby had a blood substitute incident like ten years ago. Something similar happened, so a bit worried about that happening. But I think they said to negate that. So say like Tottenham, say we make a concussion substitute. Liverpool are also allowed to make a fourth substitute at the exact same time. So. Yeah. It, it, it could work it is a trial basis and I'm glad football are now doing something but in player welfare has to be over everything as far as I'm concerned I agree couldn't have put it better myself mm. very eloquently put um, we've only got sort of the I, I wanted to move on now to the um, the Leicester the Leicester preview and then just talk a bit on obviously the U, the UEL draw and probably in you lot's cases the Champions League draw because I guess obviously <laughs> big fish versus little fish you like this Leicester Leicester's a Leicester's a funny one really um so Dej I actually wanted to get your thoughts on this because Leicester I'm not sure what to make of them this season because they've got they've had some really good results especially away from home like they beat they battered Man City 5-2 they went to Leeds and they won 4-1. They went to Arsenal and won 1-0. But I think we're slowly realising that that means nothing nowadays. Anyway, but um, they, got, they got like they got the second best away record in the league right now. Five wins, one defeat. And they're obviously playing away from home against us on Sunday. So what's your thoughts on Leicester as a whole? And do you feel as if that this is a game that Brendan Rodgers is actually going to get some points or, or not? Nah? Mm, it's a tricky one. I remember last season they took a bit of a was it three 0 or something yeah, against Tottenham? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very well. yeah. yeah, conclusive and convincing. And as you mentioned, like they're a bit of a mixed bag. I don't know, and that's been my doubts with Brendan Rodgers as a manager. He's a bit of a confidence manager. You know, when things go for him, he tends to go on these streaks. But you know, other times he gets odd results. Like I wasn't expecting them to lose against Everton, but their mm -hmm. home form has been a very, very sporadic. But yeah. away from home, you know, mm. I watched them live, you know, personally against Liverpool. They were very, very passive. Against Manchester City and Arsenal, they were setting traps. You could see what they were trying to do. But against Liverpool, they were pensive. They were sort of just 
you know, sitting there hoping without, you know, taking some initiative. And, you know, Harvey Barnes, he's a decent player. He's developing, but he's not going to be as, you know, uh, he misses a lot of chances, should I say. Yeah, Jamie Vardy is always going to be a threat. And they've had a bit of issues with injuries as well, to be fair. Wilfred Ndidi, he's been a bit of a miss. He's coming back into form and he's someone that takes a long time to get into his stride. But Tottenham against Leicester, I think Tottenham will win the game. I think Tottenham will win it 2-0, in my opinion. Yeah. Before I come to you, I wanted to go to, to Owen. So, Owen, just um, from a tactical point of view, what what tactic do you feel will best sort of serve us heading into that game? Because really on the surface, Leicester, we know they're dangerous in the counter-attack. They obviously spoke about the use of Harvey Barnes, um, raw athleticism and pace. You've got Jamie Vardy as well, who's always trying to play on the last shoulder as well. So what tactic best serves Tottenham? Are you expecting Jose Mourinho to, to, to go for the counter-attacking approach? Are you expecting Jose Mourinho to go after them? Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a very different game to what we had in the Project Restart. I know we thumped them 3-0, but they had a very kind of injury-ravaged team at that point. And uh, like they said, indeed, he's just come back. Um, Madison's just come back to form as well. I imagine um, to protect our centre-backs from uh, from Vardy, we will obviously look to probably end up starting deep and counter-attacking. It's going to be our obvious but main weapon. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with a quick score prediction of uh, of t- a 2-1 win. I know we haven't got the fans and Leicester's got got the good away record at the moment, but I still I still think we've got enough on the counter to to get it done. I've, I was listening to um, a little bit of one of their podcasts and they, they're expecting to go with a three at the back, um, which I think if we kind of... We've been kind of lining up in certain games with what looks to be on paper as a 4-3-3, but it'll be a 4-4-2 with Ndombele right up against Kane. Mm. And um, I think getting the Monster back three like that with some carefully placed long balls, as we've uh, we've liked to do, it's kind of against Southampton-esque. Um, I'd like to see a repeat of that. And yeah, yeah. I think that'll get, us, get the job done. Yeah, because um, obviously we spoke about the need for other players to sort of step up in our in our team now. If you're if you're Jose Mourinho um, for this Leicester game, do you stick with Bergwijn or do you do you look to try and if Gareth Bale's fit, for instance, do you look to try and bring him into the team? Do you look to try and bring maybe like a Lucas Moura into the team? Um, I think the thing is about. Mourinho and you guys as fans, you're probably critical of Bergwijn, but Mourinho is probably very happy with the role that he's playing for the team because he works his socks off. You see him in wing back, running back, tackling, and that's why he's in the team. Mourinho said, listen, Bergwijn, I need you to be that support act. If you can get a goal, fair play and get a goal, but leave that to Son and Harry Kane and you supplement them. And that's what he's doing. So... I'll start with Bergwijn again because I think he had a good game against Liverpool. And come on, anyone can miss chances. At least he's in the positions to miss the chances. But I think going to this game, I think this is a very, very dangerous one. I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game. I think both teams will set up defensively because we've seen Brendan Rodgers go away from home to big teams and pretty much defend deep, block the half spaces. And I think both teams are going to cancel each other out. 
And then it comes down to the individual brilliance of Madison, Vardy versus Kane and Son. And I think whoever has the better combination between the two players will win the game. But I think it may come down to set pieces as well. Mm. Ohio, I wanted to to come to you on this as well because obviously Doc made a good point now on stopping on, on two of um, Leicester's sort of danger men. So of course, we've obviously mentioned Harvey Barnes, but Madison Owen mentioned it too, coming into really good bit of form. I know obviously they lost against Everton, but generally he, he seems like he's getting back to to near his best, the best version of himself as well. And we know Jamie Vardy is well, Jamie Vardy. So I made a comment about um, Jen, uh, Jenkins um, and there's a growing relationship with Jamie Vardy as well. So what's your thoughts on our defence and how we go about sort of containing the um, the best that Leicester have to throw at us? Yeah, no, Jay Spurs is making some good points about Leicester in, in the comments. Um, I think, I, I really hope that, that Leicester don't set up to defend the same way we do because, you know, like, like Dot said, it's, we will cancel each other out if that happens. Um, but us being deep sort of helps to negate the negate the effect of Vardy. You know, there's when when we don't play a high line anymore, where there's absolutely no point in playing a high line against against Jamie Vardy because he's just going to have a party behind you. But I think Madison, I think Hoybier is probably going to be he's going to be on his neck the entire game. I think it's it's going to be um, Ander Herrera, Eden Hazard job. Like he's just going to be following following him around like the guy that can't get girls. Like that's literally. What's gonna- <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I have a lot of feel like it's not. It's a bit nasty watching Hoybier. Sometimes like, if I try, sometimes I try watch him like as if I'm not a Spurs. And I'm like this guy. I would I would hate for my team to yeah, play against that, that, that tackle on Firmino. That was that was that's what we need. We need. Do you not remember? Because I'm not sure if you've watched it yet. The Spurs documentary. Do you remember yeah. that one? Yeah, yeah. There was an episode, and I was I was at that game as well, that Wolves game, and I was saying the same thing. Yeah. We lost three two to Wolves, yeah, and Jimenez scored, yeah. and Jota yeah. literally ran past like four or five yeah. players, and I kept saying, "Take yeah. him out, take him out." At least Hoybier now yeah. he's in that team; he's going to take him out. Yeah. And he was saying that Marina was saying that in the documentary about um Do- Doherty as well that he's a very nasty one. He would take you out. <laughs> yeah, and obviously now he signed him, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, 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 what, that's what that's what needs to happen. And I feel like Hoybia definitely gives us gives us that bite in the team. It's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be what interesting. I'll, say, though, I'll be very very surprised if Leicester try and control that game because if they do go to um, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and try to like control the game and play the game on their terms. Tottenham are going to blow them away and it's going to be a convincing win. So yeah. I think the best approach for Leicester is to be defensive because I think Mourinho is expecting them to come out and play. No, I think I think I think Brendan Rodgers is Brendan Rodgers is a smart guy. He saw what happened last season and he's seen how we're playing this season. I actually don't think he's going to come out and and um, and try and sort of play football and sort of try and control the yeah, game. Sorry, sorry, just going back to that game last season because I remember I think Harry Kane scored a wonder goal. I like, just absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. That game was strange because Leicester didn't play badly. And I they think but they just got caught three so, times. And I think that's what I'm trying to say. If they do come out and play, I think that will happen to them again, where you see, okay, they didn't play badly, but you're three 0 down because Spurs are just a better team than you. So I think if they go up defensively, that's where there will be a bigger threat to Spurs, in my opinion. Mm. 
Mm, no, yeah, it's it's a fair point. And before we before we end the podcast, I know obviously I don't think we. I'm looking at it now because I know, of course, we all want to watch the United game. Um, I don't think we have much time to sort of delve on the Europa League, really and truly. But I just wanted no to get you to talk about that competition, Tom. <laughs> yeah i know we got wolfsburg i know i know but uh, i wanted to sort of get your thoughts um i know it's the spurs pod but we it's a football pod as well so we we talk football so you lot's away record is a bit funky this season and you lot are up against crystal palace we spoke about crystal palace at the start are you nervous about that 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 um that game at all yeah, I think you have to be nervous. I mean, as you mentioned, like, we've dropped points against Fulham, Brighton, and you can argue that Palace have more potent weapons than that. And we're going to obviously look to go there and control the game and the space that would leave for Zaha, Eze, their main protagonist. It can be a scary prospect. And one thing that I'm not comfortable with is our defending on those inside channels. You know, Reese Williams, he's not the most mobile on the term. Fabinho, solid defender, solid tackler. I think if you can isolate them, you know, we look very, very suspect. So it's a tricky game. And obviously with the form of Guaita, if he continues like that, it's, it's going to be tricky. But I still think we'll have more than enough to overcome them. And I think we'll beat them maybe 2-1 or 3-1. It's a nasty game, man. But, um, I would love it if Eze's got the winner. Eze scores the winner. I would love it. I wouldn't. If if he did score, I won't be too pissed off. To be faithful, I I'm, a, I'm a fan. Um, but I think the biggest factor in favour of Liverpool is that they don't have a crowd. I think even if they had three thousand fans, that's going to help them. And I think it helped them a lot against Tottenham. It actually pushed them to get mm. that goal. Yeah. I think if Liverpool start well, I think that's been the biggest problem away from home. We've started too passively. We've allowed the attacking team and the home team to be on the front foot. I think if we start well and control the game early on, we will go on to win that game convincingly. Yeah, fair enough. Um, just the last point um, for me on this. So I wanted to come to you, Ohio, just to quickly sum it up. Dot and Dej may not be aware, but we actually have a quarterfinal, a cup quarterfinal match next next week, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it is. Are you expecting Jose Mourinho to, to retain some big hitters or do you reckon we're going to very much see a fully refreshed team similar to how we normally see in let's say a home match uh, in Europa League no I think I think we'll get more more changes in the Wolfsburg game uh, I think that's in Feb than we will against uh, Stoke because you know the, the old adage is cold night in Stoke like you know James James McLean's not prick do you know what I mean like he's not a, he's got a wicked left foot still he's, right, yeah. he's, he's not good but you know, we're like we set pieces in it. You know, we're like we set pieces. So that's my, that's my only thing there. But like, oh, we should do him. Will he? Will we have as much? Will big hitters play? I think the big hitters will play. I think Kane will play. I think Son will play. I think Ndombele will play. Um, probably throw some winks in there. Do you know what I'm saying? Dilute it, dilute the set a little bit. Can I ask you lot something? Go on. What's oh, your take no. on Kyle Walker-Peters? Because... I've watched him for Southampton, and to me, he looks like an amazing right back. So, what's you guys take? Because I remember a few Tottenham fans used to give him sticks saying that he wasn't good enough for this level. But when I watch him at Southampton, he's one of the standout players. He wasn't. It's not that for me personally. I always, I, I vehemently argued against any Spurs fan who told me Carl Capitas can't play in the Premier League. 
I thought he could succeed at Spurs. I was really happy that he was getting his chance last season. But I felt like with Carl Walker-Peters, for me, it became quickly apparent that for what we needed of our right back, he just couldn't deliver it for us. But I wanted him to get his move elsewhere because I, I was so sure if this guy gets a move to another Premier League club, he's going to do his thing. But you see the standard now. You Look at the standard Aurier is setting now. I know that Carl Walker-Peters has done well at... Um, He's, he's done well at Southampton. He has. He's been one of their best players. But I felt like we needed more from him. And Really? He just didn't... I don't think he brought his best self for us last season. I don't think he did when he played. I don't know what you lot's take um, is as well, Owen and Ohio. No, literally, I've, actually, I've spoken quite a lot tonight. Owen, go for it. Um, it would be just a little bit of basic analysis because obviously he didn't really get much, um, much game time to fully look at him on but for me he he was really good going forward I don't think he would have suited the Mourinho side for one I felt like he got physically overrun quite like overran quite a lot especially like one of um Aurier's biggest strengths is that he's actually really good at the back post in the air on the crosses which um is a good fit for us um Carl Walker-Peters, he would have stood out maybe in a Pochettino system where he would have had the license to get forward and, you know, just get into those dangerous areas. Um, but, yeah, I I just think, for me, he he wasn't that good defensively. And, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 was, it was a good fit for Southampton for him to get that game time to develop that side of his game. Yeah, I think I think another point I should have made as well, and it's very valid. Is for I, I love Pochettino, but I hate I hated his loan system. I hated any player that was rated at Spurs. He would never let them go out on loan. He would keep them in the first team, and he would limit them from getting valuable minutes that could have increased their development. Mm, that's the thing. And I genuinely believe if Carl Walker Peters had a lot more game time earlier on in his years when he emerged, then he probably could have had a a, a better opportunity at cracking it at Tottenham. That's true. He could. He should have probably got a loan move in 2017, or straight after that game where he played the last game of the season and got two assists against Leicester, and was man of the match. He was man of the match for every uh, cameo he played for the yeah, first few that he got. Although he he still got physically overran defensively in some of those games, but what he offered going forward looked really promising. Yeah, it is a shame he didn't get a loan move then. I think with AWP, just he's clearly a good youth from a good home. But after what Dembele mm. <laughs> did to him, yeah, I said. The game of the Cam New, the game of the Cam New. Oh my god! Half line, just ran through. Oh, I remember that goal. That's the images I remember of Kyle Walker Peters. <laughs> and I think there was the FA Cup game against Crystal Palace again, where he had a bit of a stinker. But it can yeah, obviously, it, 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 was, it can happen. Like it's a young player. He seems to be learning well, and Ralph Hasenhut was a good manager. So yeah, man, yeah, see what he's done to Theo Walcott, yeah. and he seems to be doing a good job with him. So yeah, yeah. to me, that guy's a baller. I won't be surprised if he's at a top six club in two years or so. He's a baller. Yeah, you know what? Fun fact on that Barcelona one. I've never actually said this on a podcast, but I was actually so I flew out with a couple of mates to watch that game, and I needed to take a dump. So I <laughs> so I was I saw, I kid you not, I just heard the crowd roar. So I was sat on the toilet taking it. So that famous Spanish. Oh. I just had to go. I was like, "What's going on? What's going on?" I beat oh, myself up. I ran out, and my friend told me, "Bro, we're one 0 down." I was like, "How already?" <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to know. Here, but 
fine. It's it's it is what it is. Uh, Dej, um, we're six minutes over, but honestly, lads, thank you for joining. Um, no worries, bro. It's been a pleasure chopping it up with you lot. We love the work that you're doing on your uh, on your platform as well. It's good thank to see you Black Brothers as well. So yeah, just keep it going, man. And um, again, thank you for 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 coming in here and dropping some gems, man. It's much appreciated. No, I love, love any time, bro, man. Love tubs, bro. Yeah, man. Love guys. And obviously, for me, you showed, you know, some strikers had to be a false man yesterday, but we'll, we'll keep that. You, you had know. to leave with that. For me, it's best game this season. Oh, but it's calm, it's calm. We're not going to get into that now. But honestly, guys, it's been a pleasure. Ohio, Owen. See you in the see you in the Discord. See you in the chats. Um, if you're still listening or watching, uh, make sure again to follow us on all socials. Um, the podcast TBD Jack TBG guys, make sure to follow them on Instagram and Twitter as well at podcast underscore TBG. Uh, thank you for locking in. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon. Also, just quickly, I want that Liverpool fan who was commenting earlier to come in the Discord as well. So <laughs> you know, I think it was Andrew. Aiden's I want to see you in that Discord because we do play Liverpool again quite soon. So I want to see Aiden everyone there. Yeah. Same energy. If you lot are free as well, you lot may as well come into the Discord, didn't it? For the, for the oh, man. I've never actually tried Discord. You know, I've seen yeah. it happen in that, but I've never actually come gone. in. Honestly, it's not gonna it's not gonna hinder you from watching the match. You watch the match, but you're in the chat, and <laughs> it's very hard to be objective in Discords. But yeah, <laughs> I want Doctor in the Discord chat. I want his head. <laughs> Alright lads, honestly it's been a pleasure Take care man, have a great evening Bless you love, love. And belted into the net, brilliant goal On debut, Tungay Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs Sports Social Podcast Network